Right now, we're joined by Senator Nate Libby from Lewiston. Senator, how are you this morning? Very good. How are you, Matty? Doing, doing good. Doing good. No, uh, no, no traffic issues out there. No, no, nothing. Not at this right? point. Did you say two degrees? Two degrees. Yes. Yeah, it's excellent. a, it's a, it's a balmy two degrees. Yeah. Very nice. Balmy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pick up where we left off last time you were in. We were talking about the uh, the governor's plan for the uh, the two year state budget. A lot of big changes in how government's paid for. Um, let, let's go back and talk about that a little bit. I know we, we had mentioned before a little similar to one of the plans that you would uh, you would uh, been a part of uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, a, a big part of the governor's budget includes a pretty uh, bold, ambitious tax reform package that uh, we haven't seen in a budget document for several years. But there are a lot of pieces that I think are pretty similar to the the plan that uh, myself and a group of bipartisan lawmakers sponsored a couple of years ago. And the basic idea being that uh, you know we recognize that Maine's economy today is based on a, a tourism economy, and that we should. Uh, be trying to export a little bit more of our tax burden to those folks who come and visit Maine as a way to channel some tax relief to Maine residents. And so um, on the surface, it looks like that's what the governor is trying to do. Of course, uh, the devil's in the details. And you know, I think over the next four or five months, we'll be uh, working the governor's plan through our committee, uh, looking at all the different pieces that are involved, trying to figure out if on balance we're accomplishing the goal that he is seeking to um, accomplish uh, whether we need to make tweaks um, to his plan, and I'm I'm hopeful that <clears throat> I'm hopeful that uh, Republicans and Democrats will come together uh, and try to to move forward on this because uh, probably some of our listeners know that uh, the Democrats put a similar plan forward a few years ago that was defeated at the ballot box, but um, perhaps with a Republican governor uh, pushing it this time, we might have more success. The hot button issue on this, uh, something I've, I've seen quite a bit about, is the taxing of the nonprofits. Um, I know hospitals are also included in that. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the idea around this is that nonprofits, particularly in larger communities like Lewiston and Auburn, um, are very large and they consume a lot of municipal services, whether that's calls for police, calls for fire. You know, even the road infrastructure that it takes for everybody from outside of town coming in to use those um, facilities. And, and as you know, the um, large nonprofits don't pay property tax for the most part. And they pay property taxes on, on certain properties that don't meet the uh, nonprofit exemption. But, you know, I think the governor and the administration is looking at that. They're, they're looking at that imbalance and suggesting that if municipalities were to tax nonprofits, and um, use that revenue as a replacement for the revenue-sharing program that, um, that that would be a fairly even trade. Um, I think there's a lot of concern around that for a number of reasons. One is um, nonprofits really run the gambit from, you know, say, some of the bigger hospitals down to some of the smaller social service agencies. Uh, a lot of these agencies run on very small margins, or they run uh, in the red every year. And I look at some of their budgets and question whether a lot of these organizations would be able to pay taxes and still be able to provide the services they do. You know, take Tri-County Mental Health, for example. Um, You know, that's an example of an agency that the state holds up as sort of a model of efficiency in terms of delivering services that are important to our community, taking care of folks who've got some real challenges. You know, what if um, with this new nonprofit tax you know, Tri-County wasn't able to provide their services anymore. Where would those people go? 
who would provide those services? Would it fall back onto the state? Would it fall back onto the city? Um, you know, these are kind of the questions we're going to ask about a proposal like this because the needs will never go away. Um, they'll, they'll need to be filled in by some, some other place, and we'll all pay for it one way or the other. Senator Nate Libby is in. We'll talk more with him coming up about the tax stuff that's uh, that's been proposed by the governor and uh, also quite a few other things as well. Talk about some of the bills he's been sponsoring, too. It's 2 Degrees, 712 Z1055. If it's about Lewiston Auburn, you'll hear it here. It's everything I listen to. It's my station. Good songs. Great station. The Pulse of L.A. The new Z1055. The Z. Z1055. Maroon 5 with animals. 719, 2 degrees. Senator Nate Libby is in. He joins us now on The Breakfast Club for his second segment here this hour. Dumbum joins us in the next hour. Yes, really. Uh, let's talk about some of these uh, some of the bills that uh, have been sponsored. Senator Brake, you was in last week. He talked about a lot of the bills he's been sponsoring. There have been quite a few of them. Uh, it looks like you've got quite a few, too, here. Let's uh, start off with the... Uh, it's kind of funny. We'll follow up on the property taxes that we were just talking about to a bill to increase property tax breaks. So um, <clears throat> a lot of people don't know, but there's a sales tax exemption for all amusements and recreation services in Maine. So when you go skiing, you don't pay any sales tax. When you go to the golf course, you don't pay any sales tax. Um, when you go to Funtown Splashdown, you don't pay any sales tax. And, you know, we all know we've got high property taxes in Maine. So I was trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we again, figure out how to export some of our tax burden to the, to the 20, 25 million tourists to visit Maine every year, provide some tax relief back to Maine people. And so this is one of the ways we could try it. Basically, it's uh, a simple bill. It would uh, repeal that exemption on amusements so that when people go skiing, when they go to the golf course, when they go to the movies, you pay a little bit of tax there. And again, we, we recognize that a lot of people who come to Maine use those services. So we'll be drawing revenue from those out-of-state people. And then we can channel it back to Maine residents through an increase in their homestead exemption. The homestead exemption is one of the great property tax relief programs we have on the books now for, for Maine residents. And right now it's worth $10,000. And again, the, the homestead exemption is basically taking 10000 off of the value of your home and not paying any tax on that. So that's how you get the tax break there. If it's 10000 now, under my bill, if we start collecting tax on amusements, we could double the homestead exemption from 10000 to 20000 So if you've got a $150,000 home, you can take 20000 off the value of that and be taxed on one hundred and thirty. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, it's it's revenue neutral. It doesn't increase the size of government. It doesn't decrease the size of government. It simply says we're going to collect a little bit of tax from the out-of-state folks and the folks who use those uh, recreation amusement services, channel that back to Maine people and property tax relief. See, that's what I like to hear. It doesn't increase or decrease the size of government and it's revenue neutral. Those are the things as a taxpayer that just like they brighten my day. It's like I look outside, <laughs> the Patriots are Super Bowl champions, and I'm like, he doesn't want to just make the government this huge monstrosity. It's great. It's it's good stuff. It's that's a common sense thing right there because we're always talking about shifting the tax burden, but that's where you want to shift the tax burden too to folks that are here skiing or here golfing or here snowmobiling or whatever it is they do. Right. I mean, <clears throat> this kind of property tax break would be on the order of two two hundred two hundred fifty bucks a year. Now I'd ask you: Do you spend? Would you spend two hundred and fifty bucks a year in tax on your skiing and your golf courses? You know what? I wouldn't. Yeah, I See, mean, most people wouldn't. Right. It, it's a. It would be a good deal for I think ninety 
95 percent of Maine people. I would I would agree with that. Let's talk about the uh, the truancy bill as well. Yeah, so um, I, we've got this local issue, and I, I know it happens in other parts of the state as well, but um, particularly with our younger kids in the school district, age five, age six, um, it's called truancy, which is a, a term for habitual absence, kids that are missing 30 or more days of school year. Um, it's a funny provision in state law that says that technically speaking, your kids don't need to be in school until the age of seven. And in today's world, I think for a lot of people, that just doesn't make sense anymore. We have uh, a truancy officer in the Lewiston School District that their job is basically to go out into the field and check in on kids who are missing a lot of days of school, talking with the parents, making sure that we're actually getting these kids to attend school. But since the state law says you only have you don't have to attend school until age seven, we've got this group of five and six year olds who are just starting out, and we can't do anything with that population in terms of truancy officers and trying to get them into school. So basically, what the bill will do is to try to um, allow school districts, if they want, to lower the minimum age of attendance from seven, which is the statewide law, to five if they want to, and so that would be. A local school board decision. And I think in Lewiston, the vast majority of us would say, yeah, age five makes sense in today's world. You know, if you think back in the 20th century when you had a lot of kids working on farms and stuff, yeah, maybe it made sense to have the minimum age be seven. Um, but, you know, in today's economy, um, in today's world, we've got to get kids into school uh, sooner and make sure that they're, that they're in school for uh, as many days as possible through the year. Senator Nate Libby is in. We'll talk more with him this hour. You're listening to Z1055, the Pulse of LA. Make sure you go to the Facebook page. We've got the cancellations all up there. And we'll keep you updated throughout the day on postponements and cancellations on our Twitter page, Z1055LA. Senator Nate Libby joins us now. Make sure you go to our Facebook page. Stay up to date on cancellations. Our Twitter page will be updated in real time all day long. Senator, let's uh, go back into some of the bills uh, that you're sponsoring here for discussion up in Augusta. And uh, the next one we're talking about is the home-based acute care reimbursement. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So folks in this area of the state are probably familiar with Androscog and Home Care and Hospice. They're a pretty large organization that provides hospice care to folks um, you know, in their last months, but also home care services for folks that are coming out of um, you know, major medical procedures. And so the whole idea... Um, with home-based care is that, you know, we've got a few different options of where folks can get treated um, after they have a major medical event. They could get treated in the hospital, which, as you know, is very expensive. They could get treated in a nursing home, which is slightly less expensive but still, um, you know, pretty high. And then the third option is actually sending folks into a patient's home to provide those basic services at home, by far the cheapest way to take care of folks who are coming off of major medical procedures. But when you think about it, if you were the patient, would you rather stay in the hospital, go to a nursing home, or get treated at home? I mean, I think everybody would say they'd rather get treated at home. Absolutely. So the problem is that um, the state does reimbursement um, for these services, but the reimbursement rate has stayed flat for, I think, 12 years. And we all know inflation over the last 12 years has not been flat. And so these agencies like Androscoggin Home Care and Hospice are struggling to continue to provide these services because the state has maintained that, that flat reimbursement rate for 12 years. 
On top of that, uh, a kind of a strange provision of Obamacare is reducing the Medicare reimbursement for these services. So uh, groups like Home Care and Hospice of Androscoggin County are in a real pinch. Um, my bill would basically increase the uh, reimbursement rate for these home care services, recognizing that, uh, A, um, the most affordable way for uh, treatment to be given after major medical procedures, uh, and B, it's it's by far the best option for the patient. So we want to make sure that these organizations are, are financially solvent and continue to able to uh, provide these services because the alternative, of course, is that a place like uh, Androscoggin Home Care has to discontinue the service, and where do folks go? They're going to go to the hospital. They're going to go to a nursing home, and that's going to cost the state more money. So that's that one. That's that's a really, again, a, another good point and another uh, good savings thing. Let's talk about the New Markets Tax Credit. Yeah, so um, I serve on the Taxation Committee, and uh, it's oftentimes pretty wonky stuff. There's a lot of economics going on, a lot of philosophical discussions, but um, what I try to explain to folks is that every single tax break that the state gives out is sort of like a state expenditure of funds. What they're doing is saying uh, for every $1 we give out in, in tax break, the rest of us are going to have to make up through our taxes in, in one way or, or another. So one of the things we've been trying to push for is that when we give out tax credits, tax exemptions, um, tax deductions, um, it's it's really – uh, spending the taxpayers' money in a different way. And we should be able to, A, um, evaluate its effectiveness, uh, B, uh, evaluate you know, how many jobs can be created from it, and C, evaluate you know, are we getting a good return on our investment? Are we generating more tax revenue coming back? New Markets Tax Credit, I think, is a good example of that. Um, it's a, a credit that's given out to businesses that um, – create jobs and manufacture products in, in what we would call economically distressed parts of the state. It's a relatively new program, and so far the results coming back are pretty good. Um, I've got a, an analysis that says for every $1 that we've given out in new markets tax credit, we're actually getting $1.56 back in new tax revenue. So for every dollar that we're spending through the tax code, we're getting $1.50 back in, in state revenue. That's a pretty good return. And then the other criteria is that for every $1 we're giving out through New Markets Tax Credit, we're attracting about $3.50 worth of outside investment to the state of Maine. So I think it's a pretty good program. Uh, it does what we all want, which is you know focus um, our energy, the state's energy, in trying to improve the business climate. I think it's done that. Um, this bill that I'm sponsoring simply uh, recognizes that this is a tax credit that's working, and we can prove it, and it will extend the tax credit uh, into the future. Nate Libby, state senator from Lewiston. Going to talk more of this coming up. Another segment to go here. It's the 7 to 8 o'clock hour. It's 742. Two degrees. We're live on the corner of Center and Bradman. Snowy post-Super Bowl hangover Monday on Z1055. Two degrees, snowing outside, live on the corner of Center and Bradman. Be sure you go to the Facebook page for cancellation information and follow us on Twitter all day long. We will keep you updated in real time on that Z1055LA on Twitter. 
Senator Nate Libby is in for his monthly visit, and we're talking about all sorts of different things here. Just get to talking about some of the bills that he's been sponsoring. If you've missed any of our interviews, no problem. Go to Z1055.com, click on the audio archives. You can, can listen to that there. Now, uh, let's talk about the retraining opportunities for displaced workers. You know, that happens a lot. Of, I, I know a lot of times when mills close, things like that, there's a lot of different things that they can do with the career center. I assume this is something that expands on that. Right. So, <clears throat> you know, we know that uh, a lot of these manufacturing jobs that people have worked at for 20 or 30 years, that, um, you know, losing that job at, a, at an age 50 or 55 is really difficult for a lot of people to overcome, particularly when most of the jobs available today require some p- computer skills, some office skills, and things that uh, uh, folks might need help with. Um, what I'm finding is that there are a lot of uh, funds available for retraining for certain groups of uh, workers, but then there are other groups in different categories where there's no funding available. Part of the problem is a lot of these training dollars come down from the federal government with all kinds of strings attached. And so if you don't fit neatly into that square hole, um, you're kind of left out. And so and we've, we've identified several groups of people who um, really are having a difficult time accessing training dollars. And so basically this bill is, a, is a, um, more of a concept at this point. I'm still working with different groups who work in the field, but we just want to uh, figure out a way to take existing dollars that are already in our training dollars budget and repurpose them, uh, give them a little bit more flexibility so that career centers and adult education programs can have the flexibility to create training programs to fit uh, a lot of their clients who don't fit neatly into that uh, into that square hole. Now, um, we do have a bonus question here. It's a very special bonus question. <laughs> you know, I ate some very special uh, Super Bowl, uh, a very special Super Bowl whoopie pie last night. So this is right on my mind. I know a couple of years ago there was a big debate over whoopie pies and whether they should be the official state treat. Are, they un- are there any other bills right now in the legislature that are being considered similar to that that really, really make me enjoy politics a whole right. lot? So the beautiful thing about our, our main constitution and our democracy is that every legislator can, in the first year, put in any bill they want, and it will get a public hearing. Uh, not every state's like that, um, but in Maine, uh, you can have any idea under the sun, and you will get a public hearing. So... Many of them are, are very hard-hitting. <laughs> well, we've got at least a couple this year that I'm aware of. One is um, a bill that I heard about that will um, name the official dog of the state of Maine the Labrador Retriever. Wow, I didn't realize there was such a big push for that. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't either. I, this is the first I've, I've heard of it. And, you know, you immediately start thinking about, well, you know, what about the dogs in your life? You know, I've got right. two yeah. schnauzers. It's like, well, are we, gonna, are we really going to spend time debating the state dog? And then, you know, I, we we're joking with some, and it's like, well, really, it should be the mutt. That should be the state dog. Oh, it absolutely that, should that be. That represents Maine. Yeah. That represents Maine. Totally yeah. does. So, unfortunately, we're going to spend time debating this issue. And... Um, I'm hopeful it doesn't drag out as long as the whoopie pie uh, debate. We've got another one, too. It's, uh, it's a bill to uh, name the official state sweetener maple syrup. Um, uh, yeah, on the surface it makes sense, but then I, you know, I think of the big corn lobby coming up and trying to push for you know, right. high fructose corn syrup to be right. the actual <laughs> official state sweetener. You're, so, always, you're always thinking ahead, Nate. Yeah. I like that. 
Yeah. So we've got some interesting, uh, important, important debates coming up uh, around those couple issues. <laughs> Hard hitting, right there. Yeah, your tax dollars at work. State Senator Nate Libby, you said it, not me. Uh, that was, that one was all you. Yep. State Senator Nate Libby from Lewiston. Senator, we will see you next month. All right. Sounds good, Matty. Thank you. We will have Dumb Bum coming up next hour. You're listening to the Z, Z1055. The Breakfast Club.